the majority of businesses does not matter the size. It doesn't matter if you're a small mom and pop, if you're a mid-market firm, or if you're a large firm. The majority of companies either have no cybersecurity training for their employees or they have a very ineffective program. The problem with the small companies is they don't think that it's necessary. And then the big companies, they don't know how to create a program that's effective. Welcome to this encore interview from Forbes Books at ForbesBooks.com and the Women Presidents Organization, WPO, at WomenPresidentsOrg.com. I am here with Leia Shilabad. She is the CEO and IT princess of power for Intech Solutions at IntechIT.net, also at Intech Solutions on Facebook. Uh, she's a member of the Women Presidents Organization, which is, of course, at WomenPresidentsOrg.com, and also the author of Cyber Warfare, Protecting Your Business from Total Annihilation, which is, I think, going to be a big part about what we're going to talk about here uh, total annihilation you've seen it so you're here to warn us that's right that's right Craig (laughs) and what you know just for anyone who owns a business and has never seen what total annihilation looks like and the consequences paint the worst possible picture from your real life experience let's set the stage for how bad it can really get and then let's work forward from there about the kinds of things you do and help you how you help your clients. Well, there's there's a lot of different scenarios that's total annihilation, but let me just give you one. In fact, I talk about it in my book. So you you show up to the office in the morning and you think everything is fine, right? Your your staff shows up, business is humming along, but then suddenly someone appears a white face in your door and says, I I don't know what's happening. All of the files on the server's drive, they're they're just gobbledygook. I don't know what happened. They're not gone. They're scrambled. Yeah. So you know what's wrong. You've heard of this being called ransomware. You know that everything on your server is encrypted. And not just your files, not just your Word documents and your PDFs, but also your ERP. Everything in that is is encrypted. So you have no financials, you have no customer data, you have none of your intellectual property, all of it has been encrypted. So before today, you didn't realize how much all of that really meant to you. Today, you realize that you can't do business because everything essentially is gone. It's just like when, um, and this happens sometimes, right? You know, you don't realize how much you use the internet for business Mm -hmm. until suddenly it's out. And then you say, oh gosh, crap, what do I do now? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, in starting this interview, uh, we had internet trouble on my side, certainly not on Leia's side, because I'm sure you've got systems on top of systems. But, you know, she walked me through it and it was a challenge. And two minutes before we connected, I was thinking, oh, boy, look what I can't do when the Internet's not working. And, you know, I'm happy we fixed it. But I got a real life experience of that just moments before we connected. Thank you for your help. Yeah. So um, let, let's drill into the specifics of the scenario. And this is one scenario, because I think you're going to tell us mm-hmm. these kinds of disasters, or as you call it in the subtitle of your book, total annihilation can happen all kinds of ways. But in this case, mm-hmm. tell us what ransomware is and why this happened to all the stuff on my server. Ransomware is a kind of 
malware or virus that can get on a network in a variety of ways. And what that virus does is it looks for files, any kind of file or folder, and it encrypts the information in there. When a file is encrypted, and it could be anything that's encrypted, it looks like a string of characters and numbers. It's, it's That's why I say it looks like gobbledygook. You open up a Word document, there's nothing really there. It just looks like a mess of information. What an, a decrypt key does is it allows, it, it kind of like, it's like a lock, right? It unlocks that to actually be real words and numbers and things like that that you understand. If you don't have that key, then all you're stuck with is this gobbledygook. If you have it, you can unlock it and you can see all the information. So they say that what is the best kind of writing that makes money? Do you know the answer to that? Uh, no. Ransom notes. <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> uh, and it's very funny. <laughs> you mean, in other words, the, the, the five words produces 5 million is kind of the point you're trying to make there, right? It's funny you say that because as you, as you were describing ransomware, the other word that came into my mind was kidnap. Essentially what mm -hmm. these people are doing is kidnapping your data. They're not taking it anywhere, but they're holding it yeah. hostage right there on your server. Correct. Correct. Mm. And so that, and, and they oftentimes demand some like, monetary payment in order to get the keys to decrypt all that information. You know, if, Sometimes if they hit a, just a singular computer, maybe they ask for $300. But, you know, we've seen them ask for, you know, tens of thousands of dollars mm -hmm. in a scenario where they where maybe they, they hit like a really big company and they've asked for just an incredible amount of money. You know, you don't know if you pay the ransom if you'll get the keys because there's no, you know, they, they only deliver it to you after you've paid them in Bitcoin. So you, you don't know, what, hopefully they send it to you, hopefully they send it to you, and it, hopefully it works. Well, but, I've seen enough CSI to know that we only know half the problem because the other mm -hmm. half of the problem is I would, if I was a kidnapper and wrote that five-word ransom note and you coughed up the three hundred to $50,000, I'd figure, oh, well, if you had 50, I bet there's another 50. Yeah. So the the second and part of that problem, it's, something that we're not thinking about because I've, I've asked, you know, people have asked me, you know, well, why do they do this? They do this because it's good money, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's mm -hmm. a really easy, fast way to make money. All you have to do is, is, is get a, one little piece of software, a little virus into a network and you can make so much money. But what happens is that people don't either have the right backups in place or their backups weren't working or, for some reason they cannot restore that information they pay the ransom when you pay the ransom the bad guys are going to do it again and do it again mm -hmm. and do it again and do it again and this is one of the reasons why we have seen the the value of the cryptocurrencies spike and go all over the place because cyber actors are one of the, the they, they leverage cryptocurrency in order to buy sell trade and also for this, for ransomware. So I don't want this to happen to me. And it's probably one of hundreds, thousands of ways that I could 
face total annihilation of my business network, software, IP, documents, digital stuff? So yeah. I have a couple of questions here. Um, mm -hmm. I'm talking with Leah Shilabod, and she's the author of Cyber Warfare, Protecting Your Business from Total Annihilation. You can, of course, get it from Amazon.com. Um, she's also the CEO and IT princess of power of Intech Solutions. It's IntechIT.net and on Facebook at Intech Solutions. She's also a member of the Women Presidents Organization, or WPO. I, one question I have for you, which is the minor question, and the bigger question is, what do I do before this happens to make sure it never happens? But the minor question is, how did they get into my network? Or are there thousands of ways they might have done that as well? Yeah, there's well, there's a lot of different ways that they get into your network. The most common way is through email. There has to be a, a, a way, like a point of getting into a network. Mm -hmm. So email is, is the easiest way to do that because email addresses are so readily available online or you can even guess at them. And then a, a cyber actor would use social engineering. You know, something shows up, it looks like it's legitimate, you click on a link, you click on, a, on an attachment, and, and then that link sends you to a place where it downloads the malware, the virus to your computer, or whatever attachment you have is, is infected and then that gets the malware on your computer. And then once it, once the cyber actor has foothold in your network with that one piece of software, then it, it they remotely control that software to take over your network. Email, like I said, it is the the most common way, but there's a lot of different ways. You know, they're in larger organizations. Sometimes they will drop a USB uh, mm. flash drive in the parking lot. Oh yeah, you walk. You're like, oh, free jump drive. You take it inside, and you're like, I wonder what's on this. You have human curiosity. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was uh, speaking with someone yesterday who was at a international trade show. Uh, mm -hmm. There were representatives of a country with a bad reputation. Okay. And a very large company with a very bad reputation for things like counterfeiting and IP theft. And mm -hmm. representatives, I'm not sure if they were from the country itself or from a company within this country, were giving out thumb drives that had mm. a little diamond in them. So they were really nice, beautiful, frankly, probably a little bit way more valuable than the thumb drive you got at FedEx office, right? Because <laughs> that didn't yeah. have a diamond on it. And she took one and thought, oh, that's so nice. And then, like she said, uh -huh. a chill went down my spine. And I thought of all the other people who didn't stop and think about what they had just taken. Now, maybe it was a perfectly fine thumb drive. But to your point, maybe it wasn't. Highly likely that it, that it wasn't. Um, you, you can't really speak to that unless you know for sure, analyze it. But mm. it's one of the ways that foreign governments and are, are also doing espionage. Mm -hmm. actively in, in our country is by developing tech that, you know, comes OEM and some technology and sends information back. Like the bill that, 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 that Trump was moving forward to ban the security systems by certain Chinese vendors. Mm. Yeah, they because those security systems actually 
collect the information and send it back remotely back to China. We had actually discovered that on a couple of our clients' networks, and we we shut down the ports on the firewall so the system couldn't communicate out, mm. uh, and we and we alerted our client of it. But but most people don't know that. And what's worse is that the security vendors that install these systems keep the default username and password too, so anyone could remote in remotely, not even have to break the passwords. It's just the default one, and they can, you know see everything that's going on in a manufacturing plant or, you know, in a securities office. It's kind of crazy. Which brings us to my second question, which is, what do I do today? And I suspect mm-hmm. part of the answer is to call you or reach out to you by email. <laughs> uh, what, what, and, and what do I do today to make sure this doesn't happen tomorrow? The first thing you need to do is you need to be a little educated. And that doesn't mean that you have to be a a technology expert. But for goodness sake, we have to know how to drive a car, right? You don't have to be a race driver. You don't have to know how the engine works. You don't have to be able to put the whole thing, take it apart and put it back together again. But there's an expectation that if we're going to allow you to drive a car, you have to know enough about it right? To be able to drive it on the road. So you don't hurt people. It's the same thing with computers. You don't have to be a computer expert. No one's asking you to be a computer expert, but you do have to be educated enough to understand how to properly use the computer, safely use the computer. And, you know, when you could be doing something that could, you know, really harm your business. So the education is really important. I I would recommend everybody to pick up a copy of my book, Cyber Warfare, not because I make money off of it, because I make like, you know, as you know, authors don't really make very money. (laughs) Right. right. Um, So it's not because I'm going to get rich from that. It's because I, I put together a guide that every single person that has read it so far has come back and said, well, yeah. Thank you for writing this because these concepts that were so confusing, I couldn't understand them. You laid it out that it makes sense to me now. And I really understand about cybersecurity and the steps I have to take. So I, I, that's the first thing I'd say. Get educated. Pick up my book. It's, it's, only, it's not even 100 pages long. It's like 100 pages long. It's a great read. In my book, I talk about layered security. That's the concept that you don't just need antivirus, that you need to understand that there's different layers of security you need on the network, like the antivirus and a web filter, a proper firewall, the um, spam filter, so that you have all those different layers of security because it's there's no one silver bullet. You don't just buy one product and that can protect you against everything nowadays. It's just not, that's the, it's just not how things are. That's the first thing you need to do is think about the layered security. And then I talk a lot about passwords and also about end user training. So, and and in a lot of ways, they're kind of intertwined. People pick really crappy passwords. Password, like everything we have has a password on it. You know, whether it's your phone, you know, it's numerical password, but it's still a password. Whether it's the Wi-Fi that you connect to, whether it's your email, your banking account, you're logging into your computer, everything has a password. And people pick really crappy ones. 
they pick ones that are short. They pick ones that are like their dog's name or, you know, people today still pick one, two, three, four, five as a password. They they do because on the dark web, when they, they break into like a big organization and they publish everybody's usernames and passwords, that's how we get the information and we know what people are using. You recall there was a um, photo of Mark Zuckerberg at his computer a few months ago. And uh, people noticed two things. One was that he had something covering the camera. Good, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> but the other thing mm-hmm. there was a lot of speculation about was there was a post-it on the monitor. And there was a lot of speculation that on the post-it was a, was a password. Uh, and I think <laughs> somebody was able to, you know, blow the photo up large enough to determine that it was not a password. But it, I, I thought it was a really good reminder that, you know, you may think, well, how is a hacker half the world away going to know if I wrote my password on a, on a post-it note that's sticking to my monitor? Well, what about that selfie you took? Yep. Yeah. What about the selfie you took? What about the cleaning lady? Mm-hmm. You know, what about someone else in your office? There are so many ways that like, you know, and by the way, writing a pa- writing passwords down is not necessarily a bad thing if you're keeping them in a locked, locked safe or a safety deposit box. Like that's not mm-hmm. a bad thing. If you should die and you can you know, give someone information that says, if I die, go to this place and it has a list of all of my passwords. That's, that's okay. They still, they still write down passwords in the military and lock them up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, having them out or, you know, just like in a, a paper, you know, in your desk drawer that has all of your passwords on it. That's, that's not okay. That's not secure. And people say, you know, things to me like, oh, I trust my people. They wouldn't do that. I, I, well, the cleaning lady, what, what would they want? Well, if somebody walked, (laughs) yes, exactly. (laughs) If somebody walked up to them and said, you know what, um, just, I, I want you to just get some information from this computer and I'll, I'll pay you 50 bucks. They'll be like, sure. It's a victimless mm-hmm. crime. It's not hurting anybody, you know, and I get 50 bucks. So I'm curious. I mean, there's probably many, many things that businesses should do to protect themselves. But mm-hmm. based on your experience with your clients, is there one thing that you would say most businesses aren't doing that they should start doing today? Can Can we at least cover one thing? Yes. They need to train their end users properly mm. in in cybersecurity. That's a, that's the one thing. The majority of businesses does not matter the size. It doesn't matter if you're a small mom and pop, if you're a mid market firm, or if you're a large firm. The majority of companies either have no cybersecurity training for their employees, or they have a very ineffective program. The problem with the small companies is they don't think that it's necessary. And then the big companies, they don't know how to create a program that's effective. A lot of times they'll, you know, go to a company like uh, Before, which has a great program. Users log on, they take some trainings, there's some PowerPoints, some videos, and then they'll actually, you can send, you know, phishing messages to try to get the users to do mm-hmm. stuff and then it will report back. It's a, It's fantastic. But what it misses is the way that people learn, right? The, 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 the learning that is retained. You retain information more 
when you can interact with each other and you can share your learning. So when we develop end-user training, we pair that kind of like webinar-based formal training with the, fish, with the phishing with a customized training that says, this is all the security that's in your network. This is what it does. This is what it looks like. Here are some examples, some real-life examples of what happened in your own company when you were either compromised or there was an attempt at a compromise. And so they see real people's names. They can relate to that because it's not happening out there. It's happening in here. Mm. And then at the end, we have a time where everybody interacts, asks questions. And when you expect them there to be no questions, oh, not only are people asking questions to clarify what, I, what we've covered in the training, they're saying things like, well, my department just started using Dropbox and you said we're only allowed to use OneDrive. Are we really, should we, should we start, stop using this? And management's like, holy crap, I had no idea that they were doing that over there. So things like that get uncovered that they wouldn't know, you know, where, where the company information is, if it's in a secured and approved location. All that ends up coming out so that we can really lock the organization down and have aware, like true awareness across the, the company. And we're able to see the, the incidence of, of compromises and cyber incidents decrease by anywhere between 50 and 75% just from the end user training mm-hmm. when you have a proper security stack in place. I'm talking with Leah Shilabod. She's the author of Cyber Warfare, Protecting Your Business from Total Annihilation. She's the CEO and IT princess of power at Intech Solutions, intechit.net. It sounds to me like a big part of what you're describing is, well, often we like to think that we live in a world of set it and forget it. Oh, we did that. Mm. We took care of that. And But it Mm -hmm. actually sounds to me like the challenge of staying safe never ends. Like it's really a bit of a cat and mouse game. You you nailed it yesterday. What did you do today to make sure you were yes. safe? Yeah. So, you know, that's so interesting that you say that because I didn't realize that I was carrying a hidden belief that this all the cybersecurity stuff was like a fad and it was eventually going to kind of phase out because we'll, we're going to get security that's so amazing and that we, we're not going to be talking about it like we do now all the time. I didn't realize that until a couple months ago. I was talking with uh, Robert Hershevik. He's, he's the guy from Shark Tank. He also happens to own a managed security services company called the Hershevik Group. And he was saying, I used to think of like of cybersecurity of, of just being its own planet. And, you know, where it's different than like the world of development, software development, different than, than from the world of building networks and servers. He's like, I just thought it was its own planet. Now I'm realizing it's actually its own solar system. The staying power of how this is like we've changed everything and it's going to stay changed and it's going to continue to grow it's not going to go away. It is not just a fad. And it was when he said that, that I realized challenged me then to say, holy cow, I, I got to redouble my efforts. And that's part of the reason why I, I wrote the book is because, you know, instead of having to just talk to one person or one client at a time, you know, now we can talk to thousands 
hundreds of thousands of people through this information, whether or not they ever use in-text solutions for anything, at least they, they are empowered with the, the information and they can get help and they can make those changes. It's interesting when you were describing that change of mindset, what came to mind for me was that this kind of cybersecurity is oxygen. It's mm-hmm. everywhere. And you, yeah. if you stop breathing, you die. And there's a good chance, based on what you're telling me, is if you stop focusing on your security every day, death or some business facsimile of that could happen. I mean, I would imagine in your business, you've actually seen businesses that have suffered such a grave loss, such a degree of total annihilation that the people behind the business might have thought, is it even worth trying to recover from this? Is the business salvageable? Have you actually seen things to that degree? Um, I I have. Luckily, they have not been our own clients. Um, but, uh, but, but yes, quite likely, but, but I have seen that, you know, there was one of my colleagues, she had just actually just signed a, a new client and they were a manufacturing facility like the week after they signed the contract. So they didn't even start to de- to deploy the technology and go in there and start supporting them yet. The week after they got ransomware and it infected everything on the network, all of the computers and the servers, and they they lost all of their information like that. This is a small manufacturer, you know. They're not they they were making maybe like um an under under a hundred million dollars a year in in gross revenue. They could not produce anything for three weeks. They they lost clients. They still had to pay all their people during that time. Because when you get ransomware on a network, you don't just like clean it off with a piece of software and go your merry way. Hackers will leave back doors in a network. So you have Mm -hmm. to wipe out everything. You have to completely wipe it out and rebuild everything if you don't, if you can't restore it from a backup before it was infected. The cost to this company was huge. And they ended up actually paying the ransom as well so that they could unlock their financial data. But there was a point there where they were asking themselves whether or not that they should close their doors because hmm. the total loss to them was $2.2 million. And I don't know about you, but if I, I, <laughs> I, can't, I can't support a $2.2 million loss. No. I would probably just say, okay, we're going to close the doors and start over again. Yeah. So I, I want to change gears here a little bit. I'm talking with Leah Shilabod. She's uh, the CEO and IT princess of power for Intech Solutions at IntechIT.net on Facebook at Intech Solutions. Her book is Cyber Warfare, Protecting Your Business from Total Annihilation. So first of all, I imagine that when you go to any kind of business event, uh, that you are a very popular person <laughs> because everyone <laughs> must shower you with questions and problems and concerns and be asking for advice. Um, and I would imagine that that's actually a good thing because if someone's not not looking at you and thinking, I have some questions, then they're probably not addressing their security and thinking about it the way they should be. Yeah, and I, and I do appreciate when, when, I get the, when I get questions. I really appreciate it because it is yet that opportunity to educate and if you don't know, then you you can't protect yourself. So that that is very true. I do get showered with a lot of questions. 
I also get uh, people sometimes telling me how smart they are with their security, which could which can be really interesting. Yeah, one time I was at a an event speaking to about 200 CPAs about security, and um, we were talk we ended up talking about um, password management and encrypting your passwords. And at the very end, a gentleman ran up to me and said, "You know, I've got this great software that I use for encrypting my passwords for all of my banking clients that I do audits for." And then he proceeded to tell me what his what the password schema was that he used for all of the clients and that he said and I make sure that there's a he tells me exactly what it is like client code space all caps secure exclamation point and he, it's that space it's that space that makes it really because my software said that they can't crack that in a thousand years well I can now because you just told me you know so that there's something things like that that happen that kind of make my jaw drop that's a true um, story. Yeah, you very early on in this interview used the term social engineering. And for anyone who's not sure what that means, you just heard it. <laughs> yeah. Right? right? I mean, and 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 I'm sitting here thinking to myself, well, if he's used the same, you called it a schema. If he's mm -hmm. used the same schema for every client, that means that if I figure two out mm -hmm. or two fall into my hands, I mean, I'm maybe I'm just this kind of person, but I would go, that's a pattern. Mm -hmm. We try a third yeah. and a fourth and a fifth and a 99th and a 150th and they're all going to work. Yeah. Yes. Right. And you know, a lot of, a lot of IT providers that you outsource your IT to, uh, they also use patterns in mm. their, in their administrative passwords to administer your network. So if, even if they use different passwords, there's a pattern there. So if mm -hmm. I know one of them, I can break into the networks of every single one of my competitors' clients because I, I know what their pattern is. And I've done mm -hmm. that before, actually. When the, there was actually a client we brought on and um, they wouldn't, the provider wouldn't give them their administrator password, but I knew who the provider was. So I just guessed it and mm -hmm. I logged in. Mm -hmm. um, I want to ask you one other thing, and that is... Mm -hmm. um, because you are in what we think of as traditionally a very male-dominated field, and you're mm -hmm. not. <laughs> what's that like, and, and what's it like for you today in 2018, and how long have you been in this industry, and, and how has it changed? So uh, I started in Tech Solutions in 2006. Actually, I have a degree in psychology. I don't have, my initial background was not in tech. I sort of found it, I thought of it as being intimidating back then because I didn't know a lot about it. Well, it turns out, and this is going to, this is going to blow you away. It's all based on math. It's ones and zeros. How about that? So once I got my head around that, I'm like, okay, so this is not very intimidating. So, you know, I, all of my training is, you know, it's on the job and after college training, you know, going to seminars, trainings, webinars, all of those things, seeing it in real life, having to solve real life problems, which quite frankly is a lot more valuable than just the information you get in a four-year degree and not trying to knock four-year institutions because I've seen people come out of them and, you know, you need to, in what we do, you have to put your hands on, fix things, configure them 
in order to create this information to really make sense and be retained. Yeah, so there was uh, there was definitely quite a bit of time where I wasn't taken very seriously, you know, because I started this business when I was 28. Just I just turned 40 last month. Still, it is very male dominated, and there are occasions when I will talk to some colleagues who don't know me. And they think that I'm like the sales girl or the marketing girl. And they don't realize that I own the firm and then I've mm. built this firm and I build solutions for, for, for companies. And then they realize that after a couple of words out of my mouth and they're like, whoa, we didn't realize that. And then that hits me how there still is that even in today's day and age where we, we really want to think about, you know, uh, Men and women have can can do the same jobs. And I will say this, like there are definitely things that I feel like women are better at than men and men are better at than women just because, you know, our brains are wired a little differently. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it is a scientific fact that women, especially women who have had children, their brains are wired to be able to, to multitask better than men. That's that's biology. Can't mm. can't change that. I would imagine that over those years from 2006 to today, and, and I would think, you know, just looking at an organization like WPO would, I think, reinforce this. I would think that there would actually be more and more opportunity as more and more women own businesses, run businesses. And not to say that a woman needs to hire another woman, but there might be benefits to that in, you know, you just talked about it scientifically proven that brains of men and women are a little different. I would think besides the fact that, you know, women might think hiring a woman was a good idea because you're both women, that there might literally be scientific and proven advantages to that. And do you find that as well? So I will say in, in my firm, half of my staff are women and three of us, are technical and and I can tell you that I I love the women that I work with they are all hardworking they're fantastic with the clients and and communicating with the clients they see problems in a different in a different way and I I really 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 enjoy working with them and this is not I don't want to get too too male female in the workplace thing but whatever you would call that but I do notice, and I've, I've talked to, to the, my, the women on my team about this, that, that we seem to, to have to work a little harder and to, to be recognized the same, whether or not that's because we have to work a little harder to stand out or because we stand out because we're women in this field, so we got to look like we're doing a really great job. You know, I don't, mm. I'm not really sure what it is, but, but, we, but they definitely, they, they all show up early and they all work late. They are really, really, really a joy to work with. And I didn't, I really think I'm just lucky that they came to work within tech solutions. And then I get to, they get to work with, I get to work with them every single day because the vast majority of resumes that I get are, are for men, you know, women feel intimidated by this field. And so they don't seek it out as much. It's it just, well, like, like I said, you know, I was intimidated and then I'm like, wait, it's just math. I know math. I can do this. One important question for me to ask you is, who do you find is the perfect client for you and your company? Another way of asking that question is, if I'm listening to this interview and thinking, I see now that I need help. I wonder yeah. if Leo's company 
in tech solutions can help me? How do I know if it makes sense for me to reach out to you? That's a great question. Thank you for asking that. There's really kind of two sides of our of our business. There's the the side that deals completely with security. So we're we are implementing security solutions for businesses, small and mid market firms, you know, companies that are probably under about five hundred million dollars a year. And we're also doing the the end user training and audits and pen testing and things of that nature. And we can do that for anyone who is security conscious anywhere in the United States. The other side of our business where Intech Solutions is essentially an outsourced IT provider for managing an entire company, just managing help desk or doing projects. We're doing that in the greater Pittsburgh area, outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Companies will seek us out. They have a small IT department and we fill gaps for them. Or if they don't have any internal IT and they've got at least 20 computers and they say, you know, they're serious. They say, you know, we know we need our computers. We know we need our software to be able to do our business. And we want to make sure that that's taken care of. It's your core competency. We, don't, we want to make sure that it's being taken care of right. And then we own that, that network for them. Mm. We make sure that everything runs properly, that they're secure. And we're the same side of the table with our clients. So we're, we're their partner. We're not, we're not just like selling them stuff. That's a scenario where they're completely outsourcing the responsibility to you. And they know, you know, we're not going to get together once a month and talk about what we need to do now you are going to be doing what needs to be done every minute of every day because that's that's now your job. You are the IT department. Right. But like the IT department, because we take on that role of being a CIO for them as well, we do have regular meetings with our clients where we're talking about their IT strategy. We're talking about their business strategy because mm-hmm. I, I can't. Yeah, you know, I, I can't recommend a good solution unless I know where your business is going. Sure. You know. And sure. so I didn't mean to imply that there that there was no communication, but more that right. you know you're engaged every day, and yes. uh, as opposed to with some clients, you're probably sounds like more of a consulting basis where maybe you meet mm-hmm. once a month or something like that. Yeah, you got it. Hmm. It's a very interesting business, and uh, I think all of us should think more about it. And I think you've driven that point home very, very well. Uh, she is Leah Shilabod. Her company is Intech Solutions, intechit.net, on Facebook at Intech Solutions. She's a member of the Women Presidents Organization, and thank you for joining us on the WPO podcast. Her book is Cyber Warfare, Protecting Your Business from Total Annihilation. And now we know not to take those words total annihilation for granted and think that they're uh, overstating the case. Uh, it's possible and it could happen to you. And at the very least, go on Amazon and get a copy of Leah's book. And if you're in her area or it makes sense for you to take advantage of her services anywhere in the country, uh, clearly you are a great person to reach out to. Thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure, Craig. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this encore interview from the Women Presidents Organization, or WPO, at womenpresidentsorg.com and Forbes Books at forbesbooks.com.